Welcome to Election Sorry. Prof. Sorry. Oh, John. I was just checking my... Sorry, go ahead. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on current events and political outcomes. I'm Big Dave, one of the hosts over here at Election Profit Makers. Joined on the line by my two co-hosts. One of them goes by the name Starly. Hi, Starly. Hi. The other one, oh, well, he's quite a handful. Way down Carolina way, it's none other than Long John Silver. How you doing, Long John? I'm doing great. Great to hear, John. Great to hear. <laughs> well, there's a lot to discuss this week. But before we get into all the news, we have to address something from a couple weeks back. We got into a little discussion about borough versus borough when it comes to North Carolina towns and their names. And John was going on and on about all the boroughs and boroughs in North Carolina. And it turns out he missed a couple. John, do you remember that situation? Yes, I do. A listener wrote in. Justin, uh, listener Justin. Justin. Justin Burrow. Wrote in and uh, sent us a list of the, the, all the boroughs in North Carolina. And uh, there are 22 of them in total. He had them listed in alphabetical order. I was already working on this when he sent that email in mm -hmm. and was listing the boroughs by population. And mm -hmm. I got nine of the most populous boroughs in North Carolina. I was embarrassed to say that I had missed on Roxboro which is not very far from Chapel Hill, and Wadesboro. Uh, the rest of them are very, very small boroughs. Some of these I didn't, I'd never heard of, actually. Like Ellenboro, uh, Grantsboro, Dillsboro. These are like population 200. That's a very valid defense, I think. Not knowing. Yeah. Why don't you just read them all for our listeners, John? Read them all. Okay, uh, Greensboro, Goldsboro, Ashboro, Carboro, Tarboro, Roxboro, Hillsboro, Wadesboro, Pittsboro, North Wilkesboro, Wilkesboro, Swansboro, Murfreesboro, Oakboro, Bladenboro, Roseboro, Bayboro, Vanceboro, Ellenboro, Grantsboro, Mooresboro, and Dillsboro. All of those boroughs add up to. Uh, a population of 430,000. Most of that being Greensboro, which is about 300,000. But in doing this research, I wanted to look and find all of the villes in North Carolina. And there's actually a lot more villes in North Carolina than boroughs. There's 63 in all. Of course. That doesn't surprise you? Mm -mm. No, of course not. Ville is everywhere. Ville is like... Smith when it comes to town names. Ah, interesting. You got Asheville. You got Barnesville. Is there a Greensville? There's a Greenville. There's Fayetteville. That's number one. Greenville, Asheville, Jacksonville, Huntersville, Mooresville, Mooresville, Statesville, Thomasville, Kernersville. Oh, we're doing this? No, no, no. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I'm not going to do them all. I'm not going to do them all, but— Why not? Do it. Pod Save America's not going to do it, John. You got to do it. Statesville, Thomasville, Kernersville, Reedsville, Hendersonville, Louisville, Smithfield. Oh, Smith. No, that's not one. What? Corrupted list. Reboot. Beep, boop, boop. Waynesville, Winterville, Rollsville, Pineville, Unionville, Gibsonville, Cherryville, Nashville, 
um, Whiteville and Moxville, and those add up to 800,000 people. If you add all the villes in the boroughs in North Carolina, it's 1.2 million, and it is almost 12% of the North Carolina population lives in a borough or a ville. Hmm. You didn't just list all the villes, though, right? You said there were 60-some villes. You just listed like 15. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't list them all. Those are the most populous Ones. List them all. I don't. I don't have the. I don't oh, have them okay. all right, all right here in front. We'll of me. save that for a special episode. You can sprinkle them through various episodes. Like how other podcasts have jokes, you can just list town names. Or like how in Shawshank Redemption, he chips away at the wall, and then he takes up the little bits of the wall and puts them in the prison yard when he goes out to exercise. That's what John will be with the Vils. Uh huh. He puts them in his trouser cuffs. And slowly, day by day, month by month, year by year, he deposits that silt in the prison yard. They're none the wiser. And then one night, he removes the poster, crawls into the toilet, and swims through BM and PP to freedom. It's the Shawshank Redemption, starring Tom Robbins. World-renowned author. Starring Tim Robbins. And narrated by Michael Caine. Uh, is there a narrator in that movie? Well, there's a voiceover. Oh, I don't remember the voice. You don't remember Morgan Freeman's iconic voiceover? It's one of the most I iconic. remember he's in the movie. I remember when they meet on the beach and they're so happy and they're about to go yeah, on a boat trip. The reason you remember him meeting on the beach is because Morgan Freeman is voiceovering that scene. I don't know what to tell you, Starly. I don't remember a voiceover. You know what the last lines of that movie are? Great to see you, buddy. Your crazy plan worked. <laughs> right? <laughs> Basically. What's the last line? I hope. Classic. Because it's so the voiceover is talking from still in the perspective of him not having seen him on the beach yet. Like Morgan Freeman Whoa, gets interesting. out of prison Whoa. and he writes, Red was here. And you think he's like kind of replicating. He stays in the same room that the last man who got out of prison who'd been in prison for years and years stays in, but he, that doesn't end well. And then he says something like, I hope to see my friend. And the last lines are, I hope, I hope. And that's him looking forward to, like, expressing hope for the future that we are witnessing with our eyes. Although maybe that's his fantasy that we're witnessing. Maybe that's not actual reality that we're seeing. I just thought of that. I mean, I love that take. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating my take. I do appreciate that take. That take must exist. I don't think you're the first one to have that take. Hot take. Got a hot take coming through. Hot take. Put your mitts on. You're going to touch this take. Ooh, sizzling take. It's all a fantasy. He never made it out of the sewage system. Oh. I'm sorry, but we have to consider that. Wait, Andy, you're saying your take is that Andy didn't even get out? Yeah, I'm saying the second, the final part of the movie is a fantasy. Didn't happen. I thought you were saying the fantasy was that Red doesn't meet up with Andy. But you're saying he never gets out at all. I'm saying he doesn't get out. But that means Red would have to be, like, having an hallucination in prison while Andy's still with him. I mean, this is my take. I live or die by this take, yeah. Your take's getting messy. If you're going to live or die by your take, you need to know what the take is. Whoa. Starley would be a good interrogator. Thank you. You know what, Starley? Kind of reminds me of Joe Manson's relationship to the filibuster. He's living or dying by this hot take of not abolishing the filibuster, and yet he can't really explain his rationale. How was that for a transition? That was great. Thanks. I'm, I don't want to transition to talking about Joe Manchin. I just, just don't want to get my transitions rusty. You just emulate and want to be Joe Manchin. I want to be the Joe Manchin of election profit makers. Well, you've already, that's already been accomplished. 
Hey, guys, I'm just trying to bring some of our uh, Republican listeners on board here. Democracy cannot survive the abolition of the filibuster. Do you think we have any Republican listeners? The fucking Beckett, basically, Republican. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to something that is more or less resolved as of our last taping. We're recording this on Monday. It's the last Monday in June of 2021, if you can wrap your mind around that. Impossible. I, Since I just, excuse me, I, I just want to point out one more Borough thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, John. Have you heard anything we said in the last few minutes? Yeah, I heard. I I heard some of it. I, I oh, I, we're I just having fun say... today, folks. We're having fun today. Pour yourself a sweet iced tea, lemonade, kick back on the back porch. I want to. I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. It, I did some research, and I was this surprised. This episode outline is out the fucking window. Closing the tab. Fuck this outline. What you got for us, John? All right. So I looked up the forty-one largest boroughs in the world. Here we go. Here we go. John Favreau, <laughs> fucking Dan Pfeiffer. North Carolina has six of the 41 most populous Woo! on the list. Woo! Not bad. Not bad. Massachusetts actually has nine. Massachusetts does not play games when it comes to that stuff. Mm -mm. Yeah. Kennedys. Yeah, the Kennedys. Good point, Starly. Way to relate yeah. it to politics. That was very smart. That was a good transition. Starly's like, mm, yeah, Kennedys. Yeah. Sorry, John, what were you saying? So they got a lot of boroughs, and England's got a lot of boroughs. They got 12. I'm surprised they don't have more, actually. That's it in all of England? Well, they, they, have, they have 12 of the most Oh, 12 of popular. the largest. Right, okay, yep, yep. But North Carolina has the largest borough in the world. Woo! Greensboro. Greensboro, yeah. That's right. It's where we saw Guns N' Roses at the Greensboro Coliseum. Remember that show? Opening act, Skid Row. They're hit 18 to life. There were probably about 300,000 people in the audience. Guns N' Roses was um, late getting started. There was a fight. A melee broke out. We did the old uh, switcheroo ticket thing to get down onto the stadium floor right in front of the uh, stage there. They started playing Welcome to the Jungle. Axl Rose came out. What was his outfit that evening? Friends, it was a Scottish kilt and a baseball catcher's vest. <laughs> Iconic fashion sense in Greensboro, North Carolina. Baseball catcher's, like the, the shell? Yeah, the tortoise shell. He looked like a Scottish tortoise. Dude, he was fucking looking real good back then. Did it protect him from the melee? That broke out? Yeah, because the melee broke out before they took the stage. Skid Row came out, put on a great show. And actually, you know who opened for Skid Row? Bonham. John Bonham, the late drummer of Led Zeppelin, his son also was a drummer. And he had a band called Bonham. Then Skid Row came out, and then I remember Sebastian Bach at the end of the show said, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go backstage and get fucked up and listen to Guns N' Roses. And did the crowd like that? You know, the crowd hated that, John. There was no reaction. There was no reaction to that statement of, of ideal living. Then six and a half hours passed while we waited for Guns N' Roses to come out. And people got testy, as they will in Greensboro. I mean, they're carrying the weight of having the largest borough on earth. They have to show up and throw down. Yeah. Then finally, after the melee clears, I think there were smoke bombs. I, I remember looking behind me and seeing smoke. Then the lights go down. And then, Starly, you heard this. And then a Scottish cat baseball umpire comes out, <laughs> starts singing. We were excited. Guns N' Roses, terrific rock band. 
Did no one pelt him with any? Like, I feel like that deserves something to be thrown at to honor the tradition. Yeah, it seems like it's asking for it. Oh, because he came out in full baseball body armor? Like, yeah. Like hit me with your best shot, Greensboro. Throw whatever yeah. you got. Throw all your baseballs. Yeah. What if everyone had brought baseballs and just started pelting him with baseballs? He would have been prepared. It would have been fine. John, mm-hmm. you used to be so into Skid Row. No, I was not into Skid Row. Yeah, bro, you no. were— No, you were into Skid Row. I was you into were. Rat. No, you were into Rat, but then in high school, you were into Skid Row. You made me watch a Skid Row video in your living room one time. You got up no. in front of the TV and were singing along, and you were like, 18 no. and life, you got— Judas yeah, you Priest. Did. You were never into rat. Judas Priest. Get the fuck out of here. Motley Crue. You were into Rat. You were into Motley Crue. You were not, you were not into Judas Priest. I saw Priest. Motley Crue in Greensboro, and uh, Autograph opened up for them. You know what's interesting? Def Leppard, another great heavy metal band, had a song called Autograph. Strike that, it was called Photograph. Before the haters ride in, I caught myself in the nick of time. Remember Dale at camp? He loved Def Leppard. Pour some sugar on me. Was that? Did, was there any um, effects or processing on that Def Leppard album, <laughs> <laughs> or did they just record that raw into a cassette tape boombox? Yeah. yeah. Def Leppard, ease up, ease up, Def Leppard. Let us hear the music. I also saw Public Enemy in Greensboro. Ghetto Boys opened up for them. You saw the Ghetto Boys? Yeah, yeah. Mind playing tricks on me? Yeah, Ghetto Boys. Uh, what's who's the 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 lead singer of the Ghetto Boys? Well, you got you, there were three of them: Willie D, Scarface, and um, Bushwick Bill. Well, he dropped his mic into the crowd. I remember it, <laughs> it was funny. He went, "Oh, John's been to a show that David doesn't know about." I would have thought you guys. That's that f- fucking triggering as fuck that he went to see Public Enemy without me. We were in college, you know. We didn't go to the same college. When it comes to Oberlin, many are called, few are chosen including Lena Dunham, voice of a generation, Ed Helms, star of television and film, Avery Brooks, star of television and film, the woman who designed The Lion King and Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, and Eric Bogosian. Oberlin alumni, for your consideration, best college 2021 voting, Oberlin. A bargain at $900,000 a year. Sarah Violet Bliss and Claire McNulty, co-creator and actor on... HBO Max's search party. Also went to Oberlin? Yeah. I think we've gotten a listener mail about you not mentioning them before. From a famous Oberlin alum? That'd be so amazing. If Fred Kaplan of Slate wrote in and was like, I'm so disappointed that you've never mentioned me as one of your favorite Oberlin (laughs) alums. Fred Kaplan, war stories correspondent for Slate, husband of Brooke Gladstone of NPR's On the Media. Fred Kaplan, great writer about foreign policy, Oberlin alum. Hmm. I've been to their New Year's party. Oh, that's right. That's a, that party was so scandalous. You, the tea you could spill would fucking... <laughs> Starly got some of that sun tea cooking out back on this porch. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I literally closed our document because I got so excited when John was just like, fuck Joe Manchin. I'm just going to list every town in North Carolina. <laughs> so we're not even going to talk about the infrastructure bill. There's no predicted market about the infrastructure bill. So we fight- have no infrastructure for this episode. The infrastructure oh, has crumbled right. for this episode. We did not pass the infrastructure bill when it came to this episode. Voted down by John. He's the Joe Manchin. He's the holdout. John showed up and was like, we're going to, I'm going to, John, here's, I can make the analogy. Here we go. Check this out, guys. Check this out. Okay. John showed up with his list of boroughs and his list of vills. And he was like, (laughs) I would love for this to be bipartisan. I would love to have David and Starley sign on to it. But I'm going to tell y'all one thing. If I don't also get to list tallest skyscrapers, 
via reconciliation, then I'm not voting on this borough and Ville thing. And then everyone feigned outrage. Oh my God, we thought we were only gonna vote on this. And now he's saying that he's gonna go ahead and pass this super progressive legislation through reconciliation, that's not fair. And lo and behold, the mainstream media went along with the Republicans' disingenuous feigned outrage and spent 48 hours poo-pooing Joe Biden for speaking out of turn. Well, Joe Biden slash John Kimball turned around and apologized. And lo and behold, the Republicans, still don't understand this part, have once again agreed to sign off on a modest infrastructure bill that does not include the progressive wish list. Biden insists that he will get all that stuff done through reconciliation. John, that's just like you and all your town names in North Carolina. Would you agree? Sure. Thank you. Everybody's been Joe Manchin this episode but me. Now I'm scared. Joe Manchin's going to come for me. You'll get yours. You're Kristen Cinema. You're the agent of chaos. Starly <laughs> Quinn. Is the reconciliation... Do they have to approve of that? Does who have to approve of it? The Republicans. No, the whole point of reconciliation is that if it's a budgetary item, you just get it through with 50 yes votes, and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. They can't filibuster it if it goes through reconciliation. So why don't they just— Why don't they make the whole bill out of reconciliation, yeah. you ask? <laughs> That's why I—it's I, like I know what reconciliation is, and then they don't use it. So then I ask questions about reconciliation because I'm sure I have it wrong because I don't understand why it's not then being used. Because you can only use it a handful of times, and— wouldn't you rather have some bipartisan support for a plan that affects the quality of life of all Americans? Starly, to reach across the aisle and find sincere people of good faith in the Republican Party to come together and put together a bill that everyone can get behind and everyone can campaign on. If you're the head of the Democratic Party, wouldn't you rather muddy the differences between you and the opposition party and make it sound like there's no real difference between the two of you and just give your friends an assist? by letting them say that they also helped the infrastructure bill. It's kind of like this fantasy that we still have two parties that differ on policy differences, but it would be good if we could come together. Like when Biden announced this, he said, well, it's a compromise. No side is entirely happy with the bill. And that's what compromise is all it's about. It's like, well, dude, if one side can be entirely happy with the bill, then fucking do it like that. I want to be entirely happy. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be a little bit unhappy, but then tell myself like, oh, but at least the Republicans are also a little unhappy. Why not make me totally happy and make them totally unhappy? And also them being totally unhappy is part of what makes me totally happy. <laughs> I do want to talk about the mayor, the mayor of primary because that happened in New York City and we haven't talked since then. John, what's going on with the New York City mayoral primary? Uh, well, they're still counting some votes at this point. Um... We had pretty high turnout. Uh, turnout is right now around 950,000. The highest turnout ever was in 1989 with the Dinkins-Ed Koch primary, and that was uh, like about 1.1 million. So, I mean, it's still only like 30% turnout, but it's good turnout for New York. And it, it looks like Adams is very likely to win. But, you know, they still haven't counted you know, all of the ranked choice voting. I, I feel like John's been very big about not gloating when it comes to... Him being totally right and me being totally wrong. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and gloat just for a moment, John? I know it's not really your nature to gloat, but you, you deserve all the credit. Okay. Remember all those episodes when I said, Andrew Yang is going to be our next mayor of New York City. Deal with it. 
And you would say, it's going to be Eric Adams. And I would say, no way, it's not. It's going to be Andrew Yang because he's a disruptor, blah, blah, blah. Corporate media, blah, blah, blah. John, take a moment. This is a win. You earned this W. All right. I'm going to take the win that it's definitely not going to be Yang. And it's probably going to be Adams. But it's not a done deal yet. He's, he's at 84 cents on Predict It. So there's still a little wiggle room, according to the sages of Predict It. Yeah. He got all the way up to 90. Uh, and I believe Garcia's at 15 cents last time I checked. She's at 17. Um, She's up four oh. to 17. And now you can get in there and play who's going to get second place. Maybe you could hedge in there. Or you could go in there and play the turnout. The turnout thing right now is between, it's like right at 950,000. It's 50-50. Those always hurt me. I feel excited about that socialist who won in Buffalo. The new mayor of Buffalo. That's like a nice, solid bit of progress. Yeah. yeah. Oh, guys, I just remembered, now that we threw out our episode outline and no one's listening anymore, Yeah. last <laughs> night while I was falling asleep, I think I came up with a new uh, pedal idea that has never been done before. I have to do some research in my pedal books, but I think I have a new kind of pedal. It's a twist on an existing pedal. I'm going to report back. Bleep this before it goes out seriously because I do want to try to make this pedal. It's a looper pedal. It's two loopers operating in parallel, but you can lock in the timing of the two loopers. So once you've created your first loop on the left half side of the pedal with a second input, you can press a button and then the second loop will automatically be exactly the same length as the first loop. So you can have multiple noise things going at the same time, but they'll be in rhythm with each other no matter what. And it's also a splitter. It's also a signal splitter so that you can take one input, send it into the pedal, have it go through two separate loopers into two separate effects chains and create two loops that are separate but are synced. Hmm. I'm going to call it splitter looper locker. Do you have the domain? No, I got to get it. What I want to do is, is, first I have to make sure this has never been done. It seems so obvious. I'm sure it's been done, but it's also a form factor issue because I want it optimized for tabletop experimental music performances, not for live performances. And I also want it to have no LEDs on it. I want it to be very, very simple with no display. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. You should patent it. I will. Splitter looper locker. Splitter looper you locker. You think splitter is the one to start with? Well, I just like how it sounds the best. That's pretty long. I know. And also, a lot of pedals these days always have cutesy names that are only vaguely related. I have to esoteric it up. You? No. <laughs> I have to self-sabotage it by making it inscrutable and hard to understand whether it's a joke or real. That'll work well for my business, right? Story of my life. John, let's talk about something else as long as we're on Starley's back porch kicking back on this summer evening. All right. You told me that you came up with a little skyscraper project, and I said, buddy, save it for the pod. This sounds like the hot stuff. So, John, why don't you tell us about your latest skyscraper project? Okay. I got a. I had insomnia the other night and started flying around in Google Earth, looking at skylines and various elevations, and I decided I wanted to figure out where the highest skyscrapers are, not in terms of tallness, but the highest in terms of above sea level. So it's tallest building plus highest altitude. The combination of those two things. That's right. So I'll give you an example. The Freedom Tower in New York, One World Trade Center is, we all know, 1,000 
776 feet, and it Freedom. is at an elevation of five feet. So you add those Oof. two together, and that is the highest skyscraper point in the city of New York. Are there places in America that are higher than that? Uh, I'm going to say no, because I think the skyscraper is so tall, there's no other elevation in New York with a skyscraper on it that would make up the difference. No, not in New York, but what about in the United States? No, I'm saying no. I think Freedom Tower is the tallest. Am I wrong? Yes. Wow, the way you're looking at me is withering. Contempt. Denver, the mile-high city... They have skyscrapers. Oh, because it's also just overall elevation of the city, not the plot of land that the skyscraper. I was so dumb. I was thinking like, are there any skyscrapers built on mountains? No. Freedom (laughs) Tower is the tallest. But I forgot that overall elevation. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about Denver. So Denver, Denver has the record. They're at at 5,966 feet. Oh, but you're saying, so from the jump, because Denver is so high, has such high altitude, any building in Denver is taller than the Freedom Tower? Yes. That's, uh, that's outrageous. Jesus, when you think about that, it makes me want to go to war again. Any building in Denver is taller than the Freedom Tower. That's incredible. Yes, absolutely. So look, I just wanted to put this, you guys may not appreciate this data, but I wanted to see. We're appreciating. It's stunning. Oh, okay, My, good, I'm breath-tooking over here. All right. Freedom Tower fucking blows. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I don't mean that. We all love the Freedom Tower, but goddamn, they were so proud about that 1776. Denver rolls up and they're like 5,800, 963, motherfucker. So who comes in second? After Denver. Well, now, John, this isn't fair because now this is just turning into, this is not skyscraper. You're just listing altitudes of cities. But it's not. It's a combo. It's a combo. Okay, so what? who comes in after Denver? Well, Seattle. Seattle's built on a mountain, right? The Space Needle? It's probably 20,000 feet in the air. No. Las Vegas. Reno is third on the list at 4,911 feet. Albuquerque is second. Wow. But here's the problem that I ran into, and, I, and I, had, I have two lists. So I have the highest skyscrapers at sea level, and then I have the highest skyscrapers above sea level, 150 meters minimum. Because, I mean, not everything is a skyscraper, you know? Uh, uh, I, okay, speak for yourself. My sister's townhouse. Everything in Denver is a skyscraper because it's so fucking high up in the air. Yeah. But I can't, but if you're in a tent, I don't know if that counts. That then, tent is scraping the sky. What about a tent on a mountain? Oh shit. We better slow yeah. down because we might fuck with John's mind right here. That's 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 heavy. If you put a tent on a mountain, is it technically a skyscraper? Yeah. So I mean yeah. Mount Everest wins because you know, base camp at Mount Everest would probably be the highest uh, building in the world. But I'm not saying the highest building. I'm saying the highest high-rise. Okay, high-rise. Okay, so you're saying that you're only considering buildings that are what, 110? What did you say? What was your criteria? Well, I went back and did it 150 meters, which is almost 500 feet. So buildings that were 400 feet, that's 40 stories. They didn't technically count as skyscrapers. So I don't know if that was a fair way to do it. But I will just tell you that 
Asheville, North Carolina is the highest on the East Coast. Hold on a second, and let's make this very clear. So don't fuck up your data and don't fudge your words. Right. You're telling me that there's a building in Asheville, North Carolina that is taller than the Freedom Tower in Manhattan, New York City? Yes, it's it's 2,433 feet. It's called the Eris. It's 228 feet tall. What you have to do is you have to take that building, type it in to Google Earth, fly to the building, then you have to click on it to see what the elevation is at that spot, then you add 228 feet to it, and then that is how high you are at the highest point of that building. So go to Asheville, go up in the tallest building in Asheville, and you'll be at 2,433 feet. And I'll be looking down at the Freedom Tower. Yes. What did you learn while compiling this list or doing this thought experiment? Uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of the places out west are really high. Denver, Albuquerque, Reno, Salt Lake City, uh, Amarillo. You know, there's like a 20-story building in Amarillo. It's number five on the list. Boise, Vegas, Tucson. Asheville is the first one that's on east of the Mississippi. But then after Asheville, you got Chicago. Chicago has entered the chat. That's probably what they said when they logged on. Then you got Atlanta, New York, Wichita, Omaha, Charlotte, Minneapolis. That's your top 20 right there. (laughs) That was a look of supreme confidence just then. That was nice. The places that are not high, I'm going to give you the places that are really low. I want to know the lowest skyscraper in America, the lowest, tallest building in America. It's probably something in Miami. You're right. Woo, I am? It is... 848 feet, the Brickell Center in Miami. I knew it was the Brickell Center, that old piece of shit center. Little Rock is second to last at 850 feet. Let's see. Are those handwritten lists or printouts that you're looking at? No, they're printouts. A lot of printouts. There's a lot of amendments in his infrastructure bill. I know. He kind of does look like he's giving a press conference because he has a bunch of sheets of paper and he's standing in front of a microphone. Oh, okay. He's kind of like, we have a deal. We've reached a deal (laughs) with our Republican (laughs) colleagues. Here's the deal. Miami's not the lowest. God damn it. Miami's not the lowest. Rickle Center having the last laugh. They're, they're, They're like another 20 cities lower than Miami. Boston, Mobile, New Orleans, Syracuse. I was so happy. This is like Biden speaking off the cuff about how he's not going to vote on the on the infrastructure bill until he gets the reconciliation. See, Miami's at the very bottom of the page here, so I made the assumption that this was the end of my What life. is that a printout of? A website or your own work? No, this is my own work. Okay, what what program did you print out? Is that your notes app? This, Yeah, notes. Okay, I didn't know you could print your notes. I have to cut and paste it and put it into Google. So it's not notes. The 10 lowest are... To be clear, John, you're not just listing the elevations of cities. Nope, I'm not. You're also talking about the building heights being low, right? That's right. Okay. Mobile, Alabama, 752 feet. That's a really tall building in Mobile, by the way. But it's at sea level. So yep. they're one of the lowest. Yep. Atlantic City, 720 feet. New Orleans... 705 feet. Syracuse, 704 feet. Jacksonville, 626 feet. Portland, Oregon, 616 feet. Not impressive. 
Um, they're going through a lot right now, bro. You can't. <laughs> the yeah. they're, you're, they're going through a lot with this heat. So yeah. ease up on Portland. Tampa, 580 feet. Baltimore, 540 feet. Virginia Beach, 515 feet. And San Diego, 513 feet. Okay. In San Diego, nothing is taller than 500 feet because the airport is like right downtown. But you know what? I just realized that, again, I was doing this in my head. I wasn't going any over database, so I'm just flying all over the place. I just realized I didn't go to Honolulu. Fuck my life. Oh, my God. I mean— Honolulu is another place that has restrictions on building heights, and they're they're only like 500 feet or so. You were doing manual—you were manually flying state to state? Oh, yeah. That's how I do it. <laughs> Did you go to Alaska? He's like a business. He like literally was like on a business trip. He was like, "Okay, well, I guess I got to go fly to Tampa now to see what, how the tall the buildings are in Tampa." Woo! Well, boy, are my arms tired. Next stop, Norfolk, Virginia. Start flying up to Virginia. See what that elevation is like. There's no half stepping with John Kimball. This is Long John Silver. This is Helicopter Tony. You think he's going to look at a database when he could just fucking fly somewhere? No, no, no. See, I didn't do I didn't do Alaska because there are no tall buildings anywhere in Alaska. So I was like, I'm not going to include them. Waste It would be a waste of fuel. It would be a waste of fuel to go to Alaska. Right. But Hawaii. I don't know about that. The first Hawaiian center is at 429 feet. Now we need to find out what the elevation is where this thing is located. <laughs> fucking right we do. I mean, I can do I can do it right now, but I gotta do it. I gotta. I'm gonna have to do it on my phone. Okay. Buckle up. Let's fly. Right. Let's take a flight. Let's All right, going into Google Earth. Gonna fly now. That's what John says when he logs on to Google Earth. Gonna fly now. All right. Let's see here. First Hawaiian Center in Honolulu. I'm flying there right now. Elevation. The elevation is 15 feet there. The skyscraper is 429 feet tall. So 429 plus 15, 444. We have a new low. A new high for a new low. That was a big goof on my part. Glad we remembered to go to Hawaii. You know what? There may be another mistake in here. This is pretty raw. And someone else may say, hey, you know what? Panama City, Florida's got a 35-story building, and it needs to be included on there. I don't understand the reasoning for Alaska. You're saying there's not a single high-rise in Alaska? None that I'm considering. What you, okay, you want to, let's go Ouch. to Anchorage. God, I'm so relieved I'm not Alaska right now. 20, okay, the tallest building in Anchorage. Okay, Let's just say that we were just doing the continental U.S., all right? That's what we were originally doing, the continental U.S. All right, yeah. But because we're including Hawaii, I think we should include Alaska now. We probably should get into Puerto Rico now. Jesus. But hang on. And then we got Guam, and then we got D.C. statehood, and then white people can never run anything again. <laughs> and that's where it goes. Wait, just wait a second. I got to fly to Anchorage real quick. This is like Republicans' worst nightmare. John's like, you know what? As long as we're talking about the U.S., we got to fly to Puerto Rico and Google Earth and check out these skyscrapers. These Republicans are like, no, we'll never be in power again if that happens. Oh. Conoco. We got we got Helicopter Tony on the line. Helicopter Tony, what are you looking at? What's your, what's your location? Flying over downtown Anchorage, the Conoco Phillips building. The elevation here is 330 feet. 
The building height is 296 feet. 330 plus 296 feet is a total height of 626 feet above sea level. And Anchorage is tied with Jacksonville, Florida, above Portland, Oregon. So it's not nothing. It was worth. Was it worth the flight helicopter, Tony? Was it? It worth- was. It absolutely was. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yes. It was. Okay. Lesson learned. Why don't you fly on back to home base, and uh, we'll do the full <laughs> debrief when you get back here to the morning zoo. Imagine if how great AM morning radio shows would be if the helicopter pilot just flew around and updated everyone on elevations of various buildings, like NCMB Tower holding steady uh, just like last week at uh, 630 feet on this Tuesday morning during your commute. We're going to fly over to the uh, water tower now. Hillsborough Water Tower, again, holding rock steady for the 480th week in a row at 225 feet. Seeing no movement on this water tower height. I-40, however, backed up significantly. You will not get to work today. Turn around, go home. This has been Helicopter Tony with your morning (laughs) building height report. That would be exciting. This is an all-timer. This is a top five episode ever. (laughs) Doing all this prep about the fucking infrastructure bill. No one gives two fucks about the infrastructure bill. Flying to Alaska. Okay, what in our lives are we going to notice from this infrastructure bill? I mean, it is a big bill. You're going to see a lot of charging stations. You're going to see, hopefully, some improved roads and bridges because they got the money for the roads and bridges. Basically, it's all the hard infrastructure bill. The stuff the GOP didn't want to vote on is, you know how they were saying, like, child care is infrastructure. Give us money for child care. Mm-hmm. Environmental protection is infrastructure. That's the stuff the GOP was like, nah, nah, we don't want this wishy-washy infrastructure. And Biden has to assure the progressive members of his caucus, like, don't worry, we're going to get all that shit through reconciliation. We're just going to fucking jam it down their throats. We're going to get all this stuff. So the the bill as it exists is what you would think of as traditional infrastructure. Roads and bridges and building broadband was a big thing, universal broadband, because a lot of Republicans in these Western states do want broadband for everybody. So everyone can fly around in Google Earth. Uh-huh. Why do we have to have the agreement if we're going to use reconciliation? Doesn't that cancel out the bipartisan agreement? No, because this is an additional separate bill. Everything the Republicans didn't vote for They're going to put in a separate bill and do via reconciliation so that Biden, I mean, if all goes well, if all goes according to plan, then Biden gets everything he wants. The other thing they didn't vote on was uh, their GOP refused to raise taxes to pay for any of this stuff. But I think in reconciliation, they plan on raising, raising taxes, increasing the budget for the IRS to go after people who aren't paying their fair share. Jeff Bezos, I'm looking at you. You can fly to space, but when you get back, that IRS is going to be waiting for you. You're going to have to pay $1,000 in taxes, Jeff. Can we talk about... I did not know that Diane Feinstein's husband was a billionaire. <laughs> did you see that article about how she's selling this house? Yes. This house is listing for like $45 million. If you put all of that $41 million estate oh, together... Oh, God. Horizontally, I feel like Diane Feinstein has a sky, lives in a skyscraper. Where was her house? In Northern California. Is it not? I don't know. I feel like it was a— No, I, it, was, I, it was not her main house. Yeah, it was I think like it a, was in Colorado it, yeah. or something, maybe. Yeah, it was a fun—it was just her fun house. It wasn't her main house. It, just, it was just like her bounce house. Here, it's in Lake Tahoe. Where's that? John, fly and Google Earth to Lake Tahoe and tell us what state it is. It's, it's California. I'm trying to— Can you fly to her house? Let's go right now. 
Lake Tahoe. I bet we can identify it from the air. Yeah, like the time I found John Edwards' house from the air. I bet I could. Oh, um, that was For incredible. $41 million, right. we best be able to identify it from the air. I've got a picture of it. So just from this picture, I should be able to find it. How do I do it? What do I type into my browser? <laughs> well, type, type in Lake Tahoe, California. Then you'll be flying above above it. Okay, don't don't fly without me. If we show up at the same time, will we see each other? Both hovering in, will our avatars be hovering in the air over the same house in Google Earth? No. But you need to Google a picture of her house so you can see what it looks like. It's burned in my memory. I saw it on Twitter for two seconds. I'll never forget it. Okay, so see, it's got this dock that comes way out. Wait, don't go yet. I'm not there. No, I I'm in it. Maine. I have to get there. Hold on. Lake Tahoe. Oh, the whole planet just rotated. Oh, oh. Wow, look at that. It must be Lake Tahoe, that huge lake. Okay, so which side of Lake Tahoe is it on? It's on the California side, right? Because Lake Tahoe separates Nevada and California, I believe. Oh my gosh. If you want to just put the address in, it's it's looking east. It's in a, something called Rubicon Bay. Well, there we go. We praise California Senator Dianne Feinstein. We can, we're looking at your house on Google Earth. Please keep running. Please keep running and always be in the Senate and re represent the youth. Ooh, someone's got a tennis court. Yeah, tennis Ooh. court. There's a long dock. I hope this house just sat empty during a global pandemic. <laughs> I right, exactly. have never noticed how close Carson City is to Sacramento. Two state capitals. They're pretty close. What are the two state capitals that are the closest? Um... Shortest distance between two state capitals? I would say like Annapolis and Dover or Boston and Providence. Oh, wow. Okay, those are good. Yeah. Those are pretty close. Okay, John, next question. Will there ever be a permanent building on the moon? Yes. <gasps> that will be the highest one. That will so easily win the elevation skyscraper contest. Mm. What's more elevated than the moon, David? Do you measure the moon's height relative to the Earth's sea level? That's <laughs> kind of an know. interesting question. <laughs> that's really going to mess up people's calculations if that's what you do. Do we even know what's up and down out there? I know, because what if it's upside down on the moon at one point relative to the Earth's? Yeah, and it's negative 28 million miles. 28 million miles low. Much to consider when we talk about buildings on the moon. I'm trying to think of state capitals now. Salem. John's work is never done. I know, man. We're taxing this dude within an inch of his life. But this is what you do. You have the mantle of greatness thrust upon you. We're just going to keep throwing more and more mantles on you. Boston and Providence. That's got to be it. Okay, that's your guess? Mm-hmm. I got another question, John. Which two states abutting each other do you find most surprising? Like Virginia and West Virginia, we all agree, yeah, that's no big surprise. But <laughs> maybe there's a little part of one state that just touches another state, and it's like, well, I would never, certainly never think of those two as being sharing a border. Uh, yeah, like, um, I know there's some weird ones with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is separated, it's like Colorado and... Arkansas. Separated by Oklahoma. Or separated by Oklahoma. That's crazy. Here's a weird one. How many states separate Virginia from Texas? Okay. Here we go. Party just begun. 
Let me trade this lemonade for a hard lemonade here. Virginia and Texas? I'm going to say it's three. I'm bad with geography. It's two. Two. Oh, how perfect is that? Tennessee and Arkansas. How many states separate North Carolina from California? How many states are in between North Carolina and California? I got my Tennessee, and then after Tennessee, I'm going to go to... I'm going to say there's four states in between North Carolina and California. Close. Five. Oh. Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas, and then New Mexico and Arizona. There are so many states, but yet not that many states separating very different states from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, 50 states is kind of a lot of states when you think about it. That's what I'm it. saying. Yeah, it is like, a lot. It's a high number of states. Just, it's just five states between California and North Carolina, where, and there's 45 other states just out there. Just hanging around doing nothing useful. Yeah, not separating you from John. They're separating other people from their buddies. Oh, man. Soon we're going to have 51 states. And we need more than 51. How many states would you like to see, John? <laughs> like 53, 54. Yeah, just keep going. More states, the better. All right. Best episode ever. Is there anything else to say? <laughs> I mean, got kind of pensive at the end there, but I think we were still recovering from our, I mean, we did fly to Hawaii and Alaska in the same day, so we are a little jet lagged. John, do you have anything else? No, that was fun. <laughs> John's favorite episode ever. <laughs> yeah. I love- John's back in it. Finally, we're done talking about all this politics. Thanks for indulging. Hey, man, I was never happier in my life than when I closed out this fucking episode outline that just said, like, infrastructure bill, primary wrap-up, and then highest skyscraper, height plus altitude. There's more stuff on the horizon. We'll see what happens with reconciliation. We have the voting rights stuff. Poor People's March is trying to create public spectacle about that, put pressure on Joe Manchin to do a tougher version of the voting rights bill. The Indivisible organization wants to do a lot of actions and protests during the August recess to try to motivate politicians to fight for better voting rights bill before the election kicks in, because that has to pass before the midterms when state legislatures controlled by Republicans will just throw out all the black people's votes or just have one polling place for an entire city or whatever. But this episode, we decided to kick back on the back porch and sip some of that sun tea and just fly around the earth with Helicopter Tony. Post-pandemic summer. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. With help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa, support us on Patreon at patreon.com electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you want to try Predict It, go to www.predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or Overcast or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show so you can get the show as quickly as possible. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, one and all. Have a pleasant day. Appreciate your support. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. John's already planning his next trip on Google Earth. I'm just wondering if I left any other cities out. I'm worried now. Mm. Well, we'll hear. We'll hear. The mayor will probably be like, 
Excuse me, I am the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. Please rectify this on your next episode of your radio program. Why don't you, just for ASMR purposes, just read those cities and elevations into the mic. Here are the highest, with the 150-meter minimum, Denver, 5,966 feet. Las Vegas, 2,701 feet. Chicago, 2,042 feet. Oklahoma City, 2,037 feet. Atlanta, 1,957 feet. New York, 1,781 feet. Omaha, 1,672 feet. Charlotte, 1,632 feet. Minneapolis, 1,625 feet. Cleveland, 1,599 feet. Those are your top 10.